0: CHAPTER THREE OF A MASTER HAND BY RICHARD DALLAS. THIS LIBRIVOX RECORDING IS IN THE PUBLIC DOMAIN. A TRAGEDY I was awakened the next morning, earlier than usual, by a servant who announced in a hushed voice that Mr. White's man wanted to see me at once. I was naturally disinclined to get up at that hour, it being but a little after seven o'clock, and so directed that the man send me White's message. The reply, that Mr. White was dead, took me out of bed in a flash, and while I hurried into my clothes the servant, in obedience to my order, went after Benton. Although but a few minutes had elapsed, I was about dressed when he appeared at the door. Is it true, I asked, that Mr. White is dead?" "'Yes,' he answered, and then, coming in and closing the door, whispered, "'He was murdered some time last night.' i found him dead on the divan in the sitting-room when i went there this morning the news was almost too horrible to believe but the white face and trembling voice of the man who told it carried conviction how do you know he was murdered i asked after a moment's silence he was stabbed he said the dagger was sticking in him up to the hilt Come on i told him for now i was dressed and i hurried down the stairs and out of the club benton following as we walked rapidly toward the house the events of the preceding night recurred to me but i had no time then nor was i in a sufficiently composed mind to analyze them or find their bearing if any on the subsequent events of the night of benton i asked no more questions It did not seem worth the while. He had apparently told all he knew of real importance, or if he knew more it was not likely I could easily elicit it. Afterwards I over and over again tried to trace in the events of that evening some drift toward this tragedy, and I had much to ask of Benton. But later I will tell of it all. When we reached the house, Benton still dogging my footsteps, a few idlers gathered about the door were the only evidence of anything unusual having happened. But as I entered the doorway I was stopped by a policeman, who refused me admission. He recognized Benton, however, and sent him for some superior, who appeared in the person of Detective Miles, whom I knew, and who admitted me. I remember I hesitated at the sitting-room entrance. It was terrible to think of looking upon the dead body of a man I had left strong and well only a few hours before. The detective observed my action as he stood by to let me enter, and said, It is a case of murder, Mr. Dallas, but there are no evidences of a struggle, and the victim looks as if he were only asleep. A little ashamed at my momentary weakness, I crossed the threshold and stood in the room. For a moment I looked about me, avoiding unconsciously the first glance at the poor boy whom I knew lay on the divan. Everything seemed as we had left it the night before. The cards and the scorecard were still scattered over the center table. The dishes and glasses stood on the sideboard. They had not even been washed. And as far as I could judge, the chairs were arranged just as we had occupied them. It was hard to realize I had been away. Then I looked at the divan, yes, White was there and, as the detective had said, looked as if asleep. He was dressed as when I left him, in his evening clothes, and lay as a tired boy might have tossed himself down, resting on his right side with his head drooping on the edge of the pillow, one arm thrown over it and his face partially hidden. For a moment I thought it all must be some horrible mistake or a dream, so impossible did it seem that he was dead. But then the detective, who had stepped to the divan, placed his hand significantly on something scarcely observable protruding from his back, just behind the left shoulder. It was the hilt of a dagger. The blade was buried. I went over and stood beside the detective and looked down at the body and felt the hand. It was cold. Death must have been some hours before. There could not have been much, if any, struggle, and there were no signs of violence except the dagger. This had apparently been taken from its sheath, which was still suspended from the wall, within easy reach, just over the divan. I had seen all I needed to tell me the man had probably been murdered in his sleep, and I turned away to look more carefully about the room. Already the influence of my training in the district attorney's office was asserting itself, and I was looking for evidences of the criminal, even while sorrowing for my friend. At the first glance, as I have said, nothing had appeared changed in the room or its contents since I had left it the previous night, or rather that morning, but now, as my eye fell upon the cards scattered over the center table and the card still undisturbed, I remembered the money that Van Bult had placed upon the table, and that was still there when I left. It was now gone. I looked on the floor where it might have fallen, but could see it nowhere. Someone had taken it, or perhaps it was in the dead man's pocket, but that would be determined at the right time, and I passed it by for further study of the room. Just at this time Ned Davis, whom I had not observed on first entering, crossed over to me from a seat by the piano, and asked what I made of it, adding some expression of horror at the terrible event. I told him I could form no theory as yet, then he called my attention to the fact that a plaid ulster that White was in the habit of wearing in rough weather, and which had been lying across a chair near the window, had disappeared. I remembered it also, but its disappearance seemed unaccountable upon any theory, and I concluded it would be found somewhere in the room or hall, and dismissed it from my mind for the time. I asked Davis if he had seen either Lytell or Van Bolt, but he said no, that he had been aroused about seven o'clock by a maid servant of the house who was almost hysterical, and only managed to tell him to go down and see what was there. He had dressed hastily and come down to find things as I saw them, only that there was no one present at that time but a policeman and the landlady, the former standing guard over the door, which was open, and the latter sitting in a half-dazed state on a chair in the hall. That shortly afterwards another officer had appeared with the man to whom I had been talking, he presumed a detective, and he had then been admitted to the room but not questioned in any way or permitted to touch anything. He said Benton had also appeared at the door with the detective and officer, but had rushed off again somewhere, and that he had seen no one else except a few of the inmates of the house and Dr. Lincoln, who had come in, pronounced White dead, and left again saying that he would return at once. I then turned from Davis, who had resumed his seat, and rejoined the detective. But the latter knew less even than we, for to my question, what did he make of it? He answered, Nothing yet. The man has been murdered, I think, that is all. I had seen more or less of this man Miles, and knew him to be cleverer than the average detective, intelligent and experienced in his business, and disinclined to hazard opinions prematurely or unofficially and though I might, by insistence, have gleaned further expression from him on account of my more or less authoritative position, I did not think it advisable at the time, and allowed the matter to pass, to give my attention to Benton, who had just returned. He told me he had sent a message to Lytell at his hotel, and that he would be down at once, also that he had been to Van Bult's rooms but that the latter had left the city by an early train, and his servant did not know when he would return. I asked him if he had summoned the officers, and he said yes, that he had found the officer on the beat, nearby, immediately after discovering the crime, and brought him to the house, and then by his direction had notified the police station, after which he had come to me. By this time the doctor had returned, and a number of other people, official and otherwise, were in and about the room after a while i saw Lattell, who had come in without my observation standing near the body he turned away just then and seeing me came over and joined me but further than a mutual expression of grief and horror we had neither of us anything to say and stood silently observing the scene he recognized and spoke to davis and asked where van bolt was i told him benton's report and he said nothing further after a while the inspector of police directed everyone but the officials to leave the room, and Letell and Davis were excluded with the others. I, by virtue of my office, remained and joined the inspector. He said the coroner's jury were about to view the body and the premises, and that after they were gone the police would make a thorough investigation, and I decided to remain till it was completed. Very shortly the coroner and his jury entered and the latter, after their usual fashion, stood huddled together and stared about them. Most of them seemed to take chief interest in a morbid way in the body, and one or two were inclined to handle it, but this was stopped by the coroner, who promptly proceeded to herd them and marched them through the rooms. After they had made a tour of the sitting-room, they followed, in wake of the coroner, through the passageway and bedroom, and back into the sitting-room again. How much they really did observe that was worthwhile, I don't know, but I think very little. This formal ceremony over, they were indulged in another look at poor White, and then taken away to meet later to hear evidence and find a verdict. Once they were gone, I drew a sigh of relief, and in company with the inspector and detective, entered upon what was the real search of the premises. With the sitting room and its contents, I was very familiar. And nothing new was developed to interest me until the detective, leaning over the divan and White's body, reached down between it and the wall, where there was a space of a few inches, and brought out a small plaid cap that I recognized as being a match to the plaid ulster that was missing. The cap had been lying on the floor directly under White's head, where it partially hung over the divan, and had apparently fallen there when he lay down. On seeing it I could not express an exclamation of surprise which drew the attention of the officers, so I explained to them that I had not seen the cap since the night before, when it had been lying on a chair with the Ulster, and that from its present place I concluded White must have worn it, whereas I had not supposed he had gone out after I had left him. But he did go out, said the inspector, and not very long after you left. But if he wore that cap, I inquired, how about the ulster that was here last night? Where has it gone? We don't know yet, he replied, what he wore when he went out. We only know that he did go out. This ended the discussion of the subject for the time. From the sitting room we went through the passageway which contained nothing but some coats and hats hanging from hooks, the plaid ulster not being among them, and then into the bedroom. I saw nothing of interest here. The room was comfortably furnished, but not unusual in any way. The bed had not been disturbed, and everything was in perfect order. Two windows in the rear opened into a yard about six feet below, and one was down from the top about six inches, otherwise they were closed and the blinds drawn. A door leading into the rear of the hall was also closed and locked on the inside. Here, too, there was no sign of the plaid ulster, which now seemed to me to bear some relation to the mystery. Finding nothing further to especially interest me, I left the officers to continue their search, and after looking through the adjoining bathroom that disclosed nothing new, returned to the bedroom, and thence, passing the policemen standing guard at the door, went out of the house. It was now past eleven o'clock, and I had eaten nothing that day. Still I was not hungry, but a feeling of faintness had managed me I must breakfast, and at once, if only to fit myself for the difficulties of the case, for I had by this time determined to make it my special duty if I could secure the consent of the district attorney thereto. After breakfasting at a neighboring restaurant, I took the L road to my office, studying on the way over the facts surrounding White's death as far as I knew them but only two things seemed to promise any clue to the mystery, the missing money and Ulster. End of chapter 3